So uh, I, I want to start out tonight by saying that I shouldn't be here. I want to start off by making sure that we, we all understand we're all on the same page. I don't deserve to be here. You guys don't deserve to be here. We do not deserve this life. We don't deserve the salvation that Jesus Christ brings to us, that he gives us, that he freely offers us. So I just want to make sure we're all on the same page with that before we even get started tonight. Okay? Now I want to just take this air of worship and I want to focus it. How many of you guys have ever heard of something called a masquerade? You know what a masquerade? Just raise your hand. You've heard of masquerade? Okay. I, I figure most of you guys have heard or seen it before. There's a band that I really like, most of you guys have probably heard of, called Thousand Foot Crutch. And they've got this song that they released called Welcome to the Masquerade. If you haven't heard it, you should check it out. It's a really cool song. But the, the thought that I get, that I receive, whenever I think about that, it convicts me of the world that we're living in right now. It convicts me of what you guys as students and us as adults are absolutely 100% surrounded by. Okay? I'm going to cover a couple of bases tonight. But the first thing I want to start, start off by saying is welcome to the masquerade. Because that is the world that you guys are walking into every single day. It's people being fake. It's Christians being fake. And it's a lot of people trying to, to make you perceive things that aren't truth. We live in a world of lies. And we have got to learn to determine one from the other. I have a scripture I want to read you guys tonight. We're going to kick off. It's in 2 Timothy. I actually read it a, uh, a couple Wednesday nights ago. It's 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 1. And, and when Paul's writing this, I really just want you to guys to see this beautiful but, but terrifying interpretation of where the world was going 2,000 years ago, give or take. Okay, so I, w- I want you to, to, to listen very closely. And I know some of you guys heard this already. I, I know that you heard me say it not that long ago, but I really just for the next few seconds, I want you to just hone in on what the Scripture's saying. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. Mm. They will slander others and they will have no self-control. I hope this is hitting home with you guys. I hope you're seeing the familiarity here. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Now, here's the part that I want you to pay very special attention to. This is the part that I want everybody to hook up with up here. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from those people. Guys, I want you to take a step back for a second and think about the people you know, the people you see, the people you interact with on a daily basis. Christians, unsaved people. I want you to keep that in mind when you think about that scripture because that's the world we're in. That's the world we're living in. That's the world you're walking out of your doorsteps into every single day. So, you know, I've been told quite a few times that I give my testimony frequently, so I've tried to shy that away from that for a lot lately. And uh, the last time that we did a Fuse event, I gave a similar so I'm, a similar version of my testimony, so I'm really going to streamline it this time. But suffice to say that I got saved at a very, very early age. I was six, six years old, 
That's literally half the age of probably the youngest teenager in this room. Okay? So, I was six. I was six. That's seven, by the way. Mary Montgomery education for you. Edumacation. Anyway, about six years old, and I received Christ as my personal Savior, and I understood. I knew what was going on. Went home, called my mom, super pumped. Hey, mom, I got saved today. She's ecstatic. You know, everything's great. So, I got saved. I grew up in this church. I started going to, to, to church camps, Camp Victory. As some in the back that probably remember Camp Victory. I love Camp Victory. Um, used to go there with our youth group, and I was always getting excited about what God was doing. I'd grow a little bit, get a little bit older, start understanding a broader spectrum of stuff, and I'd get excited about it, right? So that was good. That was cool. And um, as life went on, I, I, started to, uh, I started to kind of branch out and go, you know, this church stuff's great, and it's fine, it's good, but there are other things out there that I've never experienced before. Because I'm this young, at this point we're going to say 13, 14-year-old kid, literally been in church since I was three weeks old. I have not experienced the world, okay? So, th- by the way, this is just a, a preface to the fact that you do not have to have a broken home in order to turn into a rebellious child. That is not a, a requirement. Because I had a very good home life when I was little, and I still somehow managed to go off the deep end, Okay? I decided to fall into the role of typical teenager. And that's no disrespect to you guys. That's just the nation that we live in. So I, uh, through, through a, a, a bunch of crazy circumstances, I ended up picking a mic. I started singing. I started enjoying rock music. Started, uh, I started singing with a band of a bunch of guys that I went to school with, I had become friends with. And uh, we, we, we started getting pretty successful. And uh, we had a lot of really cool opportunities that were presented to us at very young ages. And... So all that, that world that I missed out on at an early age got flung on me all at one time. And by 16, year old, 16 years old, I'm out experiencing things that 21 and 22-year-olds wait till their birthdays to experience. And, and I'm going through these crazy turns, and somewhere deep inside, God got kind of put on the back burner. I wasn't worried about that anymore because I had all these other ambitions in life. I got distracted. I got really, really distracted. Okay? And God was just an afterthought. God was not number one priority for me anymore. Okay? Yes, I had received salvation at an early age. Yes, I truly believed that I was saved. But I decided to fall into that masquerade. If you're wondering what this is, it's the stick with the mask. That's the masquerade. Okay? Everybody's like, whatever. Okay, just keep going. So, so this is the masquerade. If you see me do this, I won't even say the word. You know where, you know where we're going. Okay? So I fell into this. And, um, you know, I, I got older, I progressed, um, our band became more and more successful, things got better, uh, but harder all at the same time. And I remember, you know, I would show up on Wednesday nights to youth activities sometimes just to kind of appease my parentals and, and, and try to, to fit into a mold that would keep me from getting in too much trouble because my family and I didn't get along very good at the point in time because they completely were in opposition to what I was doing. So... You know, I was trying to, to kind of appease them a little bit. So I would go to services every once in a while on Wednesday nights. I would try to get involved with the, the church a little bit and, and here and there. And it just it, it wasn't clicking. Nothing was hanging up just right. So, you know, I, I kept going, kept going. We got really successful. We had some really big shows. Got to meet some really famous people. And then one day, out of the blue, right before my band was supposed to get a record deal, the band broke up. And it's a really, really bad story that involved a lot of lies and drug usage and 
um, just some bad stuff that caused that collapse. Uh, that was, but that was God pretty much coming through and cleaning my life out and saying, "Okay, you created this idol, you've created this thing that you worship in your music, so it's time to get rid of it. It's time to start trimming the fat, so to speak, or it's time to cauterize, is what we're going to talk about later." Um, so anyway, the band broke up, and I sank into deep, deep depression. I began heavy alcohol usage. Um, I had, had had some drug problems uh, prior to uh, uh, prescription drugs to try to keep me going because my schedule was so insane and so hectic, uh, and I had to wean myself off of that eventually. But I just had some really, really bad problems at the time, and I'm broken. I'm 100% shattered fragments that you can hold in your hand broken. I, uh, you know, I start trying to fill the void with other things. I start trying to, to patch the holes, and it's just not working out. And it doesn't matter how many times I come to the church, and, and I sit down, and I say, all right, the God thing has got to kick in at some point because this is not working. I am so unbelievably messed up right now that at some point, something's got to give because it ain't getting no better. And it just didn't get better. It kept seeming like it was getting worse. It was getting worse. So you kick off a little farther forward. I got married and, uh, and, and at a very young age, and I decided, okay, that's what I'm going to fill the hole with. I'm going to get married because this is going to fix things. I can settle down. I can be a normal dude now, and everything will be good. And so we started going to a church uh, that, that wasn't Northside, obviously, and, uh, and we got really active and involved with the student ministry there, and I'm going, yes, this is where I'm at. This is, this is what I was meant to do. And things started getting better. They started feeling better. And, and I started trying to give over to God and say, okay, we're going to make this God thing work out again. And then you know, three and a half years, four years later, bam, I ended up in a divorce that I never knew was coming. And I said, okay, what just happened? How did that just happen? And so the whole cycle began again. The whole Exact same situation that I went in, or I went through four years prior when I lost my band and everything that was important to me, that whole vicious cycle just started spinning again. And I said, okay, here I am. I'm a, I'm a pile of broken glass again. And, but at this time it was way worse because that, that was literally me getting my heart ripped out when I felt like I was on the top of the mountain, when I felt like I was giving God 100% and he just said, even though you're, you're trying, I'm just going to take it away from you. And so I blamed God. I sat in council with Pastor Stan many times. He said, Brandon, you're just angry at God. And I said, well, heck yeah, I'm angry at God. I'm angry at everybody. I'm a mad guy right now because my life is horrible. I had no idea what was in store for me. No clue. So, you know, fast forward uh, about two more years, and, and I'm, I'm living like crazy. I'm putting up that, that mask again. And I'm being fake. I came on Sunday mornings to this church, and I sat in that pew because my mom and dad said that I needed to be in church. That was the only thing that was going to heal me. That was the only thing that was going to make it better. And I'm going, okay, whatever. Just to get you off my case. Because literally, like, if I laid out of church at 12.45, my cell phone's ringing. Brandon, where were you at? Oh, yeah, my stomach was sick. I just didn't feel like getting up this morning. The lies, the fakeness, the, the, the junk, it was just... That's where we were, right here. Until finally I got so sick and tired of not knowing what to do, 
so sick and tired of playing the game, of pretending to be somebody that I wasn't, that I finally just gave up. I said, I'm done. I'm done faking it. I'm done trying to be somebody that I'm not. So let's, let's, let's figure out what we're supposed to do here, God. Let's, let's try this God thing one more time. One more time. I'm going to give it one more shot. So as most of you guys know, I came. I knelt right there at the altar. And I said, God, dude, I am a broken mess. I am literally shattered into so many pieces that there is only one method to put it back together. And it ain't nothing Brandon can come up with. So it's either you come down and you handle business, or I'm just going to take care of it. I'm going to end it. I'm going to be done because I can't keep living like this. I can't keep going on the ups and downs and knowing that tomorrow is going to be worse than today, and the day after that worse, and the day after that worse, and eventually I'm going to hit rock bottom. i got nothing to show for it. My wife doesn't like me. My kid, I barely even know. i got nothing left. I'm done. So it's either you fix it or I'm going to fix it. And not a lot of people know that, but I was literally at rock bottom. So I knelt there and I cried, cried, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried, and I I said, God, this this has got to be it. It's got to be it. And I stood up. And when I stood up from that altar, I knew, somehow, somewhere, I knew that that was it. That was what it took. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to change. I'm going to alter things. I'm going I'm to start trying to perceive life a little bit different. Because here's the trick, guys. Every other time I had ever tried the God thing, it was me saying, all right, God, you take care of this. You fix it. And if you don't fix it, then obviously it's not working. Brandon never made any effort. Brandon never put forth any, any like, like, I didn't try at all. It was just me expecting God to sweep down in this big, sweet, flaming chariot with these gigantic swords and, like, chop up every bad thing that ever happened to me. And it doesn't work that way. So I stood up a different person. I stood up more or less the guy you see now. And I said, God, that's it. I'm done. I don't care how bad it gets. I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to meet you right there in the middle, and we're going to work this thing out. And that's exactly what happened. So tonight, I really want to address the, the fact that there, there really are, it, it, what it boils down to, there's two people, there's two kinds of people in this room tonight. It, it's very, very simple. It's very black, very white. There are two kinds of people in this room. There's saved and there's unsaved. Okay? And as I've said before, I have no Jesus vision goggles. Okay? If I did, I wouldn't wear them because that would be embarrassing for you and nobody wants to make it weird. But I do not have Jesus' vision goggles. I can't look you in the eye and say, oh, you're not saved. Oh, yeah, you're good. You're living right. Oh, mm, mm, I don't know about you. I, was, I promise I wasn't important to you, Cody. <laughs> but but the, the fact of the matter is I can't see that in your life. Okay? Only you know that. You and God. That's it. Okay? So that, that's where we're at. That's where we're drawing the line. You're one of those two people. The last time we did Fuse, I spoke on the, the flame that's within us all. The, the, the fire, the fire and its spiritual references and, and how that applies to us. And so tonight, I'm going to take that, and like Cody said earlier before that absolutely beautiful picture for us, I, I'm going to explain to you guys just a small fragment of what it means to be one of those two. Okay? Now, understand their variance. 
There are variant types of those two people. Let's, let's, let's break it down for a second. We got the saved that are 100% ah, on fire for God. Good morning. We've got the saved that are just kind of straddling the fence. They show up. They show up to youth functions. They show up to church on Wednesday nights. Hey, hallelujah. Whoa, Macarena. And they go home. And then you've got the Christians. They're doing this. They're saved, but it's fire insurance. They're holding that mask up. Let's break over to the unsaved. You got unsaved people that say, I absolutely don't believe in God. It's the biggest pile of junk I've ever heard in my entire life. There's no way some supernatural being created all this. It's bunk. I don't believe it. <clears throat> Whatever. Okay? That's one kind of unsaved person. Then we got another unsaved kind of person that says, oh, the God thing is kind of sketchy. I mean, obviously, the world was created by somebody. We all got here somehow. But I'm not totally sure that I'm on board with all the stuff that, that this says. I'm not totally sure that I believe every single aspect the Bible says, but, but, but I believe that we were created by something. Obviously, we had to be right. And then you've got the unsaved people that are saying, man, I know God's real. I know the Bible's true. I know all that stuff is, is, is absolutely on par, but God doesn't want me. God doesn't want anything to do with me. I'm just a broken heap of junk that nobody can make any use of. My own family doesn't even like me. So why would God want anything to do with me? Okay? Two kinds of people, a lot of variations. So I don't want anybody to think that I'm stereotyping anybody in this room. Don't think that, because we're not. Understand, there are a lot of variants. Okay? So we talked earlier about a fire that's within us, or the lack thereof. If you're in the second category. But, but let, let, let's rewind for a second, okay? Let's go back to the beginning of my story. I'm six years old. Whichever one it was. Six years old. And I got saved. And instantaneously, let's imagine me as a hollow shell. Okay? With this little bit of candle shelf. Hmm, that sounds weird. This little bit of candle shelf inside of me with a little wax candle sitting on it. Okay? Everybody see that in their head? If not, just bear with me here. A little bitty wax candle sitting on the inside, and at six years old, you guys know those little sticks, stick lighters that you light? Well, I light water heaters with them, but a lot of people, they look like little guns that click, 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 click. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, let's imagine God, okay, in our heads, in our minds. Let's imagine God taking one of those clicky lighters and sticking it inside of me, and he lights the, the fire, okay, and so now i got a candle burning inside of me, six years old. And... Let's fast forward a little bit. I go to Camp Victory. Okay? I made reference to that. Get really excited. Go to Camp Victory. And the fire kind of gets a little bit bigger. Okay? It starts burning a little hotter. People around me start saying, oh, snap. He got a fever. He's starting to warm up a little bit. Okay? Let's fast forward a little farther than that. There's this awesome event. I've told you guys about it before. I promise you. One day I'm going to take you guys to it. One way or another. It's called Acquire the Fire. I'm about 96.7% sure they still do it. That's an exact figure. And um, this is, it's, it's called Acquire the Fire. It's one of the most phenomenal youth rallies I've ever been to in my entire life. And every time I went, the fire just goes, like, it got huge. And so I think I gave this same, exact same joke last time. But I would literally, and this is not a joke. I came home. 
I, I just said that it's a joke, but it's not. This actually happened. It's funny, but it actually happened. I came home, and I was literally so pumped up about the whole Jesus thing that I'd be driving down the road, and i see a car crash, and I'd be like, oh, dear Jesus, people, oh! Because then I was about to be in a car wreck myself. But I literally was so pumped up about the God thing that I'm just stopping. I'm getting on my knees. I'm praying for people and their dogs died or something like that. I mean, like, dude, let me just love on you for a minute. Like, I was praying and seeking God and, and literally, spiritually, people could walk by me and get burnt because I was so on fire for God. And then slowly but steadily, life starts happening. Slowly but steadily, you know, things, things start coming my way, curveballs start coming my way, and I'm going, oh, God, i got to take care of that, and i got to take care of this, i got to do that, and it's just the fire. I'm just going back down to the candle again. And my heat stops flowing out, and, and, and my radiation begins to kind of fade away, and I'm not an effective tool for Christ anymore. Okay? So that's how this whole fire analogy works. You guys got it in your head? Everybody understand how that kind of plays out? You see where I'm going with that? Okay. So let's look at category one, the saved. All right, the people in this room that say, Brandon, I'm, I'm, I've been saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm so on fire for God, it doesn't even make sense. And I'm pumped up. Woo, let's do this. Okay, that's some of you. And then I got some people in here that's saying, Brandon, I'm, I've been saved. But then Facebook happened. I've been saved, but then <laughs> blackouts happened. <laughs> I've been saved, but then, oh my gosh, my girlfriend's happened. Nobody's going to jank on me for that goofy Valley Girls early? Come on now. Anyway, so, Brandon, I'm saved, and I'm, I, I, I'm excited, but this stuff happened. And you lose focus. And your fire's really small. You're like a scented candle. Okay? Let's imagine it that way. That's worth a chuckle, right? You're like a... Anybody here love scented candles? Do not get me in a Cracker Barrel. Okay? Because I will be over... Ask my wife. I'll be over at the candle wall like... <sighs> like... I just made my ears like... Ooh, I need to pop those. Yeah, it, it's bad. Okay? It's bad. I, you can't take me anywhere. Bath and Body Works. I'm just like... It's amazing. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I like smells. I'm a big smell person. I don't like bad smells. I'm very against. I'm very, like, anti-bad smells, okay? Like, there's some people you walk up to, you like, dude. I'll never forget a couple Sundays ago, Pastor Stan walks up to me. We had had a conversation before, because you guys know that I have a sweat problem, okay? I'm sorry. I openly admit it. I make light of my, my inaccuracies. So I walk in one Sunday morning, Pastor Stan hands me a stick of deodorant, and I go, you trying to say. Because <laughs> I don't like bad smells. <laughs> and so I'm like, maybe I'll be stinking. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't stink. It was supposed to help my, my wetness problem. But anyway, so the point is that I love scented candles, okay? But in this scenario, scented candles are a bad thing. Because it looks nice. It's pretty. It'll light up a little area. And it smells good. But it's not doing jack. You can't cook marshmallows on a scented candle. Can you imagine what they taste like? Oh, it's like here's some uh, cucumber melon flavored s'mores. Enjoy that for a minute. Oh, I'm making myself sick up in this pulpit. But, but the, the fact is that you cannot 
make any use of a scented candle other than to make a real small area smell decent and provide a little light. That's it. So some of us, we let the fire die down a little bit and we're just a scented candle. I want somebody to tell me, what does a fire need to grow? Somebody just shout it out. What does a fire need to grow? Fuel. Exactly right. No, not diesel. That makes stinky fire. That is the opposite of scented candles. Okay, you can smell it. Okay. But yes, Tyler is 110,000% right. A fire has got to have fuel. Okay? You got to throw wood in it. You got to get some oxygen to it. You got to make it alive. All right? Fuel. This is your wood. This is your oxygen. This is your gasoline. Okay? Anybody ever seen what happens when you toss a big old cup of gasoline on a fire? It's dangerous. I have singed eyebrows. And that really smells bad. This is fuel. You need this. You need this. If you don't want to be a glade-scented candle, you need this. And the problem that we run into is a lot of us don't let the ignition, we don't let the fuel, we don't let the source that we need to grow bigger in. We block it out, we don't worry about it, and we just sit there and focus on Facebook or black ops or going to the mall with our friends or the boy or the girl that we're dating or you know the, the music that we're playing or the sports that we're doing or our piano recital. My list goes on and on and on, guys. We stop focusing on fuel and we start focusing on everything else. I don't mind telling you guys, if there's ever any doubt in the entire world that the devil is alive and well, he has showed up and tried to beat me to a pulp today. I have been kicked around by Satan today. I've been discouraged. I've been anxious. I've been arrogant. I've been worried. Literally every bad thing that I could go through, I think I've gone through it this morning as far as emotional statuses go, okay? Thank God I wasn't updating Facebook every minute like, oh, I'm upset. Oh, I'm disappointed. Oh, I'm anxious. Because seriously, you guys, y'all's phones would be like, bring, 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 bring. It was like a roller coaster. It was bad. It was real bad. So the, the, the point is, the devil's alive and well. And if you're just a scented candle, he don't want you to get anywhere near this. So he's going to distract you. He's going to distract you absolutely 110% any way he can. And that includes Facebook. That includes video games. That includes comic books. That includes dance recitals or, or piano recitals or whatever. That includes all that stuff. Okay? So I, I want you guys to really just funk, like focus in on that. I want you to really think. I want that to click. I want that to, to link up. That we're in this room and we know that there are distractions happening all around us. And our fire is slowly but surely dying. I want to read another scripture for you guys in Acts 2. And we're going to, uh, we're, we're, we're going to look at this and, and I want you to, to kind of perceive what we're capable of. This is what it looks like to throw some gasoline on the fire. In Acts 2, we're going to start in 17. It says, In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will, I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. 
but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Guys, we're capable of incredible, wonderful, miraculous things when we allow the power of Christ to take over and stop drowning the flame out with everything else. So my encouragement to you tonight, if you're in category one, is to stop dampening down the fire. Stop focusing on everything else. Your cell phones, your video games, your movies, your comic books, everything else that literally gets in the midst of this and this and stops from this. Start trying to put it beside you. Start trying to get it behind you. Start trying to make some some progress on that because that's what's going to keep the stuff that I just read from happening. Let's cover area two. Maybe there's somebody in the room that say, Brandon, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been pretending a lot. I've been telling people I was saved. You know, or maybe, Brandon, I, I haven't ever had anything to do with this God thing. It, it just, it, I come to church because my friends are there. I come to church because my girlfriend or my boyfriend's there. I come to church because Brandon's really weird and he does dolphin impressions and it's funny. You know, maybe, you, maybe that's you. Maybe you're one of those people and you're saying, but I don't. I'm not on board with the whole God thing. That's, that's not really that big a deal to me. Guys, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're concerned, whatever you think that my God is incapable of, you're wrong. I am walking, talking, living, breathing proof that God can fix any heart. God can mend any soul. God can conquer any scenario. It does not matter. My God is bigger. Period. That's the end of the story. We win. I read the end of the book. So the fact of the matter is, what I need you to understand is that it doesn't matter what your excuse is. It doesn't matter if you say, I don't believe in God. That doesn't matter because God's still real. It doesn't matter if you believe in Him or not. He's still there. My God is bigger. My God is stronger. My God is higher than any other. If you're on the fence today, if you're trying to figure it out, if you're going, all this fire talk's weird. Brandon's crazy. But I really do need something to happen because I'm going down an endless road. And, and Brandon, I'm, I'm at that same point you're talking about. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're saying, Brandon, you know, I've had all these bad things happen. I've had all these scenarios that just flopped and it's not working out. Maybe that's you. And if that's you, then let's talk for a second about how we can fix that. Let's talk for a second about how we can make that better. Because God is standing there with the clicky lighter. He's waiting on you. You don't have to wait for him to show up. You didn't have to come here tonight to understand that. God's standing there. God's waiting with the clicky lighter. And all you have to do is open the front so he can get in. So what I'm going to ask you guys tonight, what I'm going to challenge you, the, the ball that I'm going to put in your court is, is let's take a second and let's reflect on what Cody talked about earlier. Let's talk about being made pure. Let's talk about getting rid of all the junk. Let's talk about cleaning all that out. Whether you're saved or unsaved. Maybe you're not saved and you're saying, Brandon, tonight I really just think it's about time that I start figuring out what God has for me because there is literally no other path to take. Guys, God doesn't want to be your last option, but He will be. 
He'll pick you up. He'll fix you when everything else is gone. When you don't have any other cliff holes to hold on to, God's grace and mercy is 100,000% infinite, and he will fix it. But you've got to be willing to let him. It's like I told you guys a couple Wednesdays ago, you can't just try the God thing and say, oh, well, that didn't work. I, I tried the God thing. And no dice. You can't just try the God thing. It's got to be a legitimate effort on your part. You've got to want to believe it. You've got to truly believe it. And you've got to push forward and try to let him do something in your life. You can't just stand back and wait for it to happen. Okay? So I want to talk about one last little process. And then we're going to go into some prayer time. And I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to, to try to come down here and just make a real life meeting with God. Okay? I want you to keep Cody's sermon in your heart, your head, your mind. I want you to keep what we're talking about right now in your heart, in your mind. I want you to reflect on that. There's a process back in, a, in, in the old days, and they still do it. It's called cauterization. And what happens is you've got an open wound. You know, say my arm gets cut off. It's, it's a very rudimentary process, but it's a battlefield medic tactic. They take something hot, they heat it up, and they, they stick it to the wound, and it hurts. Oh, my goodness, it has to hurt. I've touched myself with hot solder at work, and it is a god-awful experience. So I'm telling you, it hurts. It's painful. But it saves their life. Guys, tonight, God might be calling you and saying, you got some, some seriously open, gaping, bleeding, deadly wounds in your life, and it's time to put some cauterization to it. It's going to hurt. It's going to be really, really uncomfortable. You may lose some friends. You may lose some 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 respect from other people. You may lose some loved ones. There may be people that don't want anything to do with you. It's going to hurt. But it's worth it because it will save your life. And ultimately, isn't that what's important? God offers us a free gift of salvation. God offers us open resources to say, all right, open your heart up. Let's light it. Let's take the clicky lighter. Let's light it. Let's don't be a scented candle. Let's get that fire going. Let's make it make a difference to other people. How many of people in this room would raise their hand right now and say, I know somebody that I love, that I know if I don't start witnessing to them, if I don't help them get led to Christ, they're going to die and go to hell. Raise your hand. Be honest. Because I guarantee us everybody in the room, we all know people who need Jesus Christ, and until you get rid of the sin of candle and you start letting that fire blaze up some, they're going to die and go to hell. It is our responsibility as Christians to do something. And that's what I'm challenging you guys to do tonight. That's what I'm telling you to step up to the plate. Let's stop living a life of apathy. Let's step up to the plate, make a difference, impact this community, and stop some people we care about from dying and going to hell. Because guys, I know it's uncomfortable. I know it. No, nobody wants to talk about that. That's taboo. But it's the facts. It's what's going to happen. We don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen. And Jesus Christ doesn't want that to happen promise you. I want everybody to bow their head and close their eyes for me tonight. And let's just, let's just talk for a second.